where the markets are, both sheep and cattle, this year has probably taken most people by surprise. I must admit, I wasn't expecting the markets to drop as far as they did. And I, I think it's the compounding of not only, you know, increased numbers of livestock in the system, very full supply chains, very soft consumer demand, but we've also got this, uh, it's almost like a producer panic that's been in the market because of the commentary around El Nino and the declaration that was made by the bomb a month or two ago. But that commentary has been in the market since about April. And I think people have just decided, well, we've seen what's happened in the past and it can go from good to bad very quickly. And there's been a lot of decisions being made around the fact that this could be a really bad year. And, and it almost feels like we have been in a drought influence market for the last five or six months. And what are you predicting then for the coming months and into the new year? When do you see some upside there and that equilibrium coming back to a, a more a normal um, setting? Yeah, and, and we're really relying on that supply part of the equation to balance this market out at the moment because there's no real strong demand scenario that I can see in the next six, 12 months, particularly from a sheep meat point of view. Beef is a little bit different. The US market will play a role there and it will start to create global demand for beef, which will support Australian cattle prices. But for sheep meat, it's really about that. It's going to be a fairly slow recovery, we think, of, of consumption and demand in those export markets and domestic markets. So, And why is that the case? Uh, just softer economic conditions and, and fairly full supply chains as well. Um, lamb is, uh, has done very good in creating a sort of profile for itself as a bit of a niche premium product. But at the same time, when, uh, as a general statement, when the consumer becomes a little bit more concerned about what's in their pocket and what they're buying, they revert to what they're more comfortable and used to. Because they consider niche as being expensive? Yeah, yeah. It's been positioned as a fairly high-priced protein in that cabinet. And and talking here in markets, Australia is probably a little unique. We're, we're very strong lamb consumers. Um, but when you're talking markets like China and Middle East and, and the US, which are our three big export markets, it's a it's a small part of their overall consumption there. I think it's 400 grams per person per year in the US. So um, uh, the anecdote I sort of say is, you know, that uh, lamb in the US was possibly a US consumer going out to dinner and seeing lamb as an entree and it was priced based on the fact that it was a small serving you know they could overcome some of the the the, the higher price of it but um it became a, an opportunity for the consumer to try something different so i always say when i go out to a dinner and i'm worried about how much i'm spending the entree is generally the thing that drops off my my list um so that's that's having a bit of a an impact in terms of overall demand in the market or overall consumption in the market. We're actually seeing much higher volumes to the Middle East and to China. Uh, I'd probably argue that they're more a result of the fact that we've got more available and it's a lot cheaper than what it was before and they're buying cheap protein as opposed to the consumers in those markets demanding that product come through the system. And overseas, how do customers view the price of Australian beef? Well, we've worked ourselves into a very favourable situation. It's not great if you're a producer at the moment, obviously with prices 40 50% lower than what they were this time last year, but um, it does make it very much more competitive on that global market. And so that's, that's assisting. 
Um, we've also got the US at the moment, which is going through their normal um, cyclical process of a contracting production base. We're expecting production to drop sort of 3-4% um, this year and, and next year. That's going to mean that there are less US supplies, but it also means that that US product is more expensive because that US consumer is very strong and, and they will continue to pay what they need to pay to access beef. And that will mean that the price of, of that US product in that global market goes up. So we're in a favourable situation from a beef point of view in that we've got increasing volumes at very competitive prices and our biggest competitor being the US is having contracting volumes at higher prices. So I think it's going to work in Australia's favour. We've just got to wait for the volumes to clear out of the system. You look at the number of or the volume of stocks in Japan, for example, at the moment, and it's at the highest level it's been at for 20 years. Um, it's flatlined for the last couple of months, which is encouraging, as in it hasn't continued to increase. And we've seen our export volumes to Japan have dropped year on year. So we've just got to wait for that to move through the system, though. And once that clears up a little bit, that'll free up the Australian processors. They'll see that there's ability to send volume into those markets. They'll start pulling more cattle into the system because at the moment we've got a bit of a, a ceiling, a bit of an artificial ceiling on our processing capacity um, based on the, the, the labour availability in those plants and, and adding additional shifts and adding days to the, the, the run sheet there just isn't the real incentive to do that at the moment because those supply chains are quite full. If they kill more cattle, they've got to find a home for that. And that's just a big, big challenge at the moment. So as soon as those supply chains clear up, I'd imagine that we'd start to see those processing um, operations increase the volume of throughput and that'll start pulling cattle into the market and, and support prices. Now you're in Tasmania talking to farmers here about your projections for the coming months. What are you hearing back from those farmers? I was a bit surprised that uh, there were so many people talking about how dry it was down here. I know that um, yeah, southern parts um, were dry into the Midlands there, but um, yeah, I was surprised to hear it was a fairly common theme across most of the people I spoke to. Obviously, a, a concern given you know the availability of fodder, and as you're starting to head into those summer months, and how many livestock you've got on property, and and given the prices that you've got at the moment. Um, and the outlook that we've got is basically saying, well, if you can hold on to those, then there's probably upside in the future. But the challenge is, can you hold on to them at the moment? And, and conversations with people around, you know, they'd normally have a whole lot of silage that they would have cut or, or hay that they've bailed and they just haven't got that volume available um, this year. So, yeah, I would imagine there's some tough questions being asked around how many livestock they've got how many they can sustain and what they, they need to do to balance those numbers out. But if if anyone was in a position where they could hold, then um, yeah, the ability to hold them into next year when potentially those prices might rise is, um, um, is something to consider. But yeah, it comes down to what you've got available. Are you surprised by uh, the numbers going through the processing plans? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was looking at the numbers for the weekly kill numbers for Tasmania and, and, and sheep numbers. While we haven't seen huge volumes in the first half of the year, the second half of the year are, are tracking very close to the highest volumes in the last 10 years. I think I had to go back to 2015 to find something similar in terms of the numbers of sheep, um, adult sheep coming into the market at this time of the year. So obviously, reflective of seasonal conditions at the moment, um, but also possibly a reflection of some of the numbers in the system as well. So Victoria and southern New South Wales generally, as a general statement, are doing okay at the moment, but probably because they've got so many livestock, there's just not that need 
um, to, to pull stuff in from Tasmania. And also at the same time, it's going to mean that there's there's already plenty of volumes on the mainland going into some of those processing works that mean, you know, opportunities to, for Tasmania to send over uh, to the mainland is, is uh, you know, the, the benefit or the advantage of it is just isn't there um, as we have seen in the past sometimes. Mm.